Welcome back to another episode of Off the Trail. And today we are joined by Amy Ingram, who is the founder of the Hudson Valley-based Ingram Law Firm. Amy, thank you so much for hopping on today. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Uh, We are going to talk today about something near and dear to every business owner's heart, no matter the size. And that is... um, defining and understanding business types. So let's just start at a real high level. Um, When people are talking about business types, what do they mean? Why do they exist? So the essentially the simplest answer is that it's a filing with the state and it's any state in the union. It's not just New York. Mm -hmm. And it is really something that's going to provide some protection to the individual business owner. So It's meant to alert the state that there's a business that exists, that there's someone who is operating and functioning as a business, who's intending to do certain tasks as a business. It also alerts the public that this business exists Mm -hmm. and that that's who they're interacting with. And so it's it's fairly straightforward in terms of why it exists. Uh, It really is for the protection of both the business owner and the public, and to some extent the state, to make sure mm-hmm. that people aren't in, interacting with each other illegally or that they don't know that someone is conducting business in the state until something catastrophic happens. Okay. So let's talk about what are um, what are some of the most common business types and, you know, kind of run us through, run us through the pros and cons of those. Sure. So um, the most basic that you can get the most easily and the one that I steer every client away from is a um, DBA, which stands for doing business as Mm -hmm. Um, essentially a DBA. You go to your local County clerk's office and Mm -hmm. you file with them and say, I am Amy Ingram, but I'd like to do business as Ingram law firm. And essentially what it provides is the ability to, act as a business name without having mm-hmm. any real business entity protection, um, which is why I dislike it so much. Um, it does have a purpose. It's not a situation where it should be avoided at all costs, mm-hmm. but it really does not provide any liability protection whatsoever. Um, it really is mostly for the ability to open a bank account and to transact simple business under an assumed name. Okay. Um, so, I try to steer every client I have or even people who aren't my client who are thinking about opening a business away from a DBA. Um, The next most simplest is the limited liability company, which Mm -hmm. is an LLC. Um, A lot of clients who come to talk to me think that they want to be an LLC, and it's just because they think it's the easiest way to become a business that has some level of legitimacy mm-hmm. and some liability protection. And it is true. It's going to be much, much better than a DBA. Definitely very simple um, in comparison to a corporation, mm-hmm. but it's definitely going to give you enough protection where I think that you would be okay, generally speaking, mm-hmm. and that it would function in a way that would make you a legitimate business. Mm-hmm. Uh, fairly simple, fairly simple to file. And you would be able to conduct business with a sense that you're not going to get in trouble. Um, However, it is limited liability, as the name suggests. So you're only going to be protected to the extent of decisions that you're making as either a member or a manager of the LLC. So there is some limitation in terms of getting your personal liability protection. Mm -hmm. And it acts as a pass-through entity. So essentially... 
it is just an extension of you as a person and it's not going to function on its own independently. Um, New York State also re recognizes partnerships. There's mm -hmm. a limited liability partnership and a limited partnership and those aren't as in high favor any longer. Um, I think that people are moving away from creating partnerships. You don't hear those entity types very often. Mm -hmm. They're really a, a types that I suggest to my clients. Um, it is essentially going to allow you to conduct business and say that the two of you are working together and that you have a certain rule book that you're going to follow. Um, mm -hmm. A limited liability, limited partnership is going to really be on a very rare basis and you're most likely doing something for one project that you're mm. trying to maintain that liability within that one project as a partnership so i don't traditionally talk to a ton of clients about mm -hmm. a partnership just because it doesn't make sense right. um, and then the last one is a corporation and so clients i think get a, a little bit fearful of becoming <laughs> a corporation i fear like I, I feel like when they hear corporation they're thinking a huge company that's being traded publicly on the stock exchange and they're saying i'm a one-man band there's no way that i need to be that um however you can be a single owner corporation um, a single shareholder corporation and you would be able to get as much protection as is offered by any other business entity type so mm -hmm. um, my rule of thumb is that if you're doing something that provides a service to the public or you're giving them something that they can use or have some sort of significant interaction with the public where they're relying mm -hmm. on you or your service or your widget that you're, you're producing, it's best case scenario to always be a corporation, even if, if it feels a little overwhelming. So um, essentially the corporation acts as a standalone person mm -hmm. and liability starts and ends within the corporation. And so mm -hmm. it is much, much more of a protection for the business owner um, because essentially anything that is within the company is what somebody could attach if there's some mm -hmm. litigation. And as long as they're doing the things that they're supposed to, which is relatively straightforward, then that's going to provide them the very best kind of liability protection that is offered by any other entity. So, Amy, you kind of just hinted at this, but um, you've talked about protection and liability here. Can you just dive a little bit more into what does that mean for a business owner? You know, what what um, what's at stake? What is getting protected if they do file a business type? So essentially, it's going to protect not only the asset within the business, but they're also their personal assets where a DBA is all you. Everything that you have <laughs> is up for gear up for grabs if something would happen. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I try not to be the doomsday person, um, but at the same time, that's sort of my job and that's what we're talking yeah. about. So um, this really starts and ends with liability. And so mm -hmm. DBA is only going to protect, well, really nothing. Um, all of your personal assets are going to be on the line. So if you own mm -hmm. houses, if you own cars, if you have uh, substantial investments or bank accounts, all of that is fair game if something would happen and someone would commence a lawsuit against you. Um, your limited liability company would allow you to shift the majority of that liability into the company. But again, it's going to be to the extent of decisions that you made acting as the company. So mm -hmm. potentially you could still be listed as a litigant in a lawsuit. Obviously, the LLC would also be listed. Mm -hmm. A good attorney should be able to push the majority of that liability over to the LLC, 
but you are still going to have to go through the process because it is a pass through entity to the business owner. So it's not an automatic attachment of the things that you own, but mm -hmm. depending on the argument that's made, if they say, no, you weren't actually acting as the business, you were acting as yourself just in the name of the business, that could give you some liability issues. Um, and then obviously the corporation is going to be the best. It's going right. to anything that's happening within the company, assuming that mm -hmm. you're following certain roles that are a little bit more complex than I think we probably want to get into here. Um, but as long as you're following certain roles, you're acting in a certain way and you're mm -hmm. following the guidelines that have been set up at the beginning of the corporation founding, mm -hmm. then all of that liability is insulated within the company. And so essentially you're making a choice of how much risk is tolerable for you in terms of conducting business and mm -hmm. really also how many assets you have personally to know whether or not it makes sense to protect it as much as possible. Mm -hmm. So someone who may be listening to this, who is a one person business, who maybe is working out of their home, um, you know, when they hear that and they think, oh, it, cause it is kind of scary to think about, well, my personal assets are on the line. Um, you know, how do they really decide if they need to either um, obtain a business type or change it? So a good rule of thumb for me is if you're conducting business and mm -hmm. you are transaction transacting with the public in yeah. any way, shape or form, you always are going to want to be a business entity. The reality mm -hmm. is, is that New York State filing fees for a business entity type are fairly nominal, all things mm -hmm. considered when you're conducting business um, between 125 and 200, depending on what kind of entity you're going to be. There's a few more steps beyond that. So all in, you're probably looking at under $500 in terms of fees. And so for me, regardless of what kind of type you choose, except for a DBA, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> you're going to want to make sure that you're doing it. There's to me there, the, the benefit far outweighs the cost and it's also going to mitigate any risk that you might be having. So even if you're a one-man band sitting at your house in a home office and you have this idea, it's always going to be better to try to file and create an entity as opposed mm -hmm. to running the risk that something could happen. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of changing the entity type, you always can do that. You know, you could go and file. Um, you could say, I, I want to play it safe. I don't want to be overwhelmed. I'm going to start with an LLC because I feel like that's going to be a little easier to manage and to handle as just getting started. Um, at some point, you would be able to move to a corporation, assuming that mm -hmm. certain things happen with the state. Again, a little bit more complex, but it is possible. Mm -hmm. um, you're also going to want to make sure you have your accountant involved, that they understand what you're doing. There's tax implications to all of these entity types. Um, and so you're going to want to make sure that you sort of have a team around you who's going to really be able to walk you through pros and cons, not only of the liability and the legal end, but also on the mm -hmm. financial end of what makes the most sense. So, you know, there is possibility for it to be changed, but those are the things that you really should be considering as you're deciding how you're going to move forward. So, Amy, I know you don't want to get into super nitty gritty on the details, but just kind of because it is scary to think about forming, particularly a corporation, um, give us, if you can, a high level. What is the process like in terms of forming the LLC and in terms of forming a corporation? Is it does it is it years? Is it a huge financial investment? What does that look like? 
So it, it's definitely not years. Um, it's actually could be minutes, depending on what kind of entity you are. Um, mm-hmm. In addition to being the general LLC corporation partnership, um, if you have a professional license, so if you're a lawyer, a therapist, a massage mm-hmm. therapist, um, doctors, et cetera, if you have a license from the Department of Education, then you need to become a professional LLC, corporation, whatever you're going with. Um, So that one is a little bit more involved. It's not Mm -hmm. as instant. If you're not, if you're not any of those things, if those don't apply to you, then there's an online filing. New York State has made it fairly simple um, to be able to file. Um, It's even the system that I use. So it's not a situation where it's something that's, you know, that you can't really reach out on your own and figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, they do recommend that you look at an attorney or you have a conversation with an attorney and have them take a peek at what you're filing. But it tr- typically I can get something back within 15 minutes. So I go through okay. the process. Um, I answer all the questions. I have something in place where they have their creation documents. So mm-hmm. either um, articles of organization or your um articles of incorporation, depending on what kind of company you're going to be. And those get filed with the state. The state comes back and gives you an acknowledgement. And then within 24 hours, you're on the state's website um, saying that you're now a company. After that, we file for your tax ID number, the IRS, which is also an online filing. And so within a matter of a day, I can Mm -hmm. have it up ready to operate as a company. Um, And then you can take those two documents that I filed to the bank you can take them to your accountant. You can take them to whomever else might need to be on your team, insurances, et cetera, and they can get your business up and running. And so within a week, you probably would be able to be fully operational with all the pieces in place that you would need. Which really is um, a small a small time investment for a big time payout. <laughs> Correct. It's also... Um, a- a fairly small monetary investment. Um, you know, if you're looking at under $500 and less than a week of time to have mm-hmm. an LLC or corporation created with everything that goes with that, to me, feels like a no-brainer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, you just mentioned something important, and that was the tax ID number. So I know with an LLC and a corporation, you do get your your tax ID number. Um, what about if you file a DB, uh, DBA? Could you still get a tax ID number, or do you have to use your social security number on tax documents? Um, typically, they use their social security number. I am probably not the very best person to ask about the tax ID number um, because and taxes in general, because that's definitely yeah. a question. Mm-hmm. Um, I do believe that you can go on and visit the IRS website. And if you apply or try to apply for a tax ID number, they will tell you whether or not you need one, whether it makes sense. I have had DBAs that have been able to acquire tax ID numbers. The thing is with those is that if you get it as a DBA and you decide after listening to us chat, or if you decide um, after some soul searching that no, you probably should be an LLC or a corporation, then you would have to get a new tax ID number. That's not transferable. Mm-hmm. Um, but I believe it could go either way in terms mm-hmm. of DBA. Um, it just depends on which you prefer. But that is, again, is definitely a question for an accountant that's going to make mm-hmm. more sense about how you're filing your taxes and what their plan is for you. Right, right. That makes sense. So um, you talked, obviously, we've talked about the the liability piece and the protection of personal assets. You know, are there any other risks that a business owner is putting themselves in 
by not filing a business type and just kind of doing their thing? <laughs> so no one is really going to come after you and say, oh, my God, you're you're transacting business and you're not an entity type. Um, yeah. But it really is you're your gambling. You're gambling mm-hmm. with all the things that you're working towards um, because, it, again, it only matters if something bad happens. So mm-hmm. typically someone is not going to come after you if you're happy with the business that you've you've transacted with them. Um, it's going to be if they get hurt, if they're utilizing your product, they found mm-hmm. you on some shop, you have just a little thing that you're doing on the side and, you know, they're, they're utilizing your product incorrectly. Uh, you know, you hear all the time of litigation if someone drops hot coffee on themselves and you think, how could that possibly happen? That's true until it does happen to you and they, mm-hmm. they do something that they injure themselves and now they're filing some lawsuit against you. Mm-hmm. At that point, it's too late to come and talk to me about fixing your liability issues um, just because at that point, you're on the hook. You've done it. You've done mm-hmm. it, transacted, transacted it as a DBA and you have no protection. Um, so that really is the, the biggest concern. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the thing that we really should be thinking about the most because mm-hmm. it's fairly easy to be a business. It, it's just what happens if something goes wrong. Right. We, you know, and I can't fix that after you've done it. It's better to start and do it the right way at the beginning mm-hmm. uh, because there's no way for me to really backtrack and, and get you into some protection that didn't exist when the thing happened. Right. Um, now you mentioned people, you know, correctly or incorrectly using a product. Um, Amy, I think there's an awful lot, particularly since the pandemic, an awful lot of people doing um, more creative jobs, uh, graphic design, um, copywriting, content creation, social media management, that type of thing. What are some of the risks to those folks if they don't adopt a business entity? So you also have a situation where if it's not a widget that you're necessarily selling, but it's a service or Mm -hmm. something that is not a tangible product, um, you still run the risk of a client not engaging with you accordingly. So the liability risk might be less in terms of someone's not going to dump a hot cup of coffee on the lap, but if they're doing some sort of social creation, but Mm -hmm. you also run the risk of clients not paying of clients who are um, not following through on the agreement that you have Mm -hmm. clients who are unable or unwilling to engage with you properly, um, who come back and attack you on social media or or saying things about you. Mm -hmm. And clearly I I can't really protect you on social media. There's nothing I can file that's going to make that work. Um, to prevent them from, you know, coming after you in that way. But if you have good contracts, if you have a business that is running and is legitimate and adds a layer of legitimacy, then that's also going to give you some good protection. And so Mm -hmm. the things that's not tangible, your liability might be less unless you do something that is harmful to that person's business or whatever you might be providing to them. But it's also going to make sure that you're able to collect on the terms of a contract or an agreement. Mm-hmm. It's going to add a layer of legitimacy to you. And so as people are looking for those service providers, as they're looking for, even if it is that they're looking to buy a widget and you're, you're creating something and you're selling something on one of these smaller marketplaces, it is going to add a layer of legitimacy. So it right. may not necessarily be about liability, 
but they're going to look at you and say, well, hey, they're an actual company because people are going to see either Inc. or LLC after a name and say, well, they took the, the time and effort to be a real company yeah. and we want to interact with them. Yeah. So last question for you, Amy. <laughs> um, talk to us a little bit about, you know, obviously you're the, the founder of your law firm. Um, you know, talk to us a little bit about the benefit of really consulting with a lawyer, how you can help um, clients in the Hudson Valley navigate this, um, you know, this business landscape. Sure. So, you know, it seems, and I, I am probably making it seem as if it's fairly straightforward and easy. Mm-hmm. Um, the filing portion of it is fairly straightforward and easy. Once you've selected the entity type, then the online process will walk you through what you need to do. The real work starts after you hit submit and you've now become an LLC or a corporation because there are other documents that need to go with that. You have to really understand what they're asking you on some of these forms. You have to understand what makes the most sense for you um, to be able to walk through what some of your concerns are, to ask questions, to understand how the decision, what you're making in terms of your entity type, how that could affect you in the future how difficult it might be to expand or grow. Um, Mm. You might have an idea in your mind that you want to be a one-man band forever and it's just going to be a side gig for you and maybe you're not going to do this long term. And then suddenly something hits and and you're now exploding into the industry. And Mm. now you have to figure out what does that look like. And so for me, I have no emotional involvement in your business. For me, it's very black and white, and we're having a conversation. Um, So I can provide multiple options and talk through what makes the most sense before you even get to the point of where we're hitting that submit button to the state. But then also after we do that, to walk you through making sure you have your tax ID number, making sure that you understand certain corporation tax filings, making sure that you have a team in place, because again, I am not a one-man band. I like to make sure you have insurance, marketing, and a CPA involved. Mm Um, who we all can talk to one another to make sure that we're working together and then to make sure that you do have the additional documentation that you need to show that you are a legitimate company. And more than that, that as you're getting ready to move forward, that you have contracts that could also help to limit some of that liability to make sure that if you're entering into a lease because you're, you're taking on space, that that makes sense and it's been negotiated and that you understand the terms that if you're bringing in employees, that you have some sort of support for your employees. So those are all the things that Mm -hmm. I can also help with. So I don't start and end only with the entity creation. I really do have a general business practice where I'm going to be able to help you through anything that the business might encounter. Mm -hmm. And for me, um, I've lived it. I I started my practice in 2011. And so um, I have lived being a business owner for over a decade. And I've been through quite a few ups and downs um, in the market with a pandemic. And so when I'm having a conversation with my clients, I, I try to really be realistic with them and give them real world, real life advice, mm-hmm. not only from what I've lived, but from some other clients that I have that I can share anonymously sort of things that they have dealt with and how I can stop that from happening in the future. And so right. that's really how I approach my practice and my interactions with my clients. So it it should not just start and end with that filing to the state. Yeah. Amy, how would someone get in touch with you? 
So they, um, I'm completely virtual. So most of the things that I do is um, conducted via Zoom. So mm -hmm. you can visit my website, which is ingramlaw-ny.com. And there'll be a button there that you can click to schedule a consultation with me. Mm -hmm. And from there, you schedule it on your own. You don't have to talk to me about it. You don't have to make sure that I know that you're coming. Um, hit the button, find a time on my calendar that will work for you. And then we'll connect via Zoom. Um, I also can do phone calls. I do, on a limited basis, have clients who come into my office in Rhinebeck. Mm -hmm. So if that's something that makes more sense or you feel like it's necessary, you just let me know that too. And I'll created as a an in-person appointment um, but most of my clients enjoy that they can visit me via zoom um, and then typically we have our initial consultation lasts about 45 minutes we have a chat like you and i've been having a chat where i'll run through these different business types what mm -hmm. it makes what they're doing what they need what makes sense um, my rule of thumb also is to say what are you doing in the next one three five years let's talk about that to make sure that we know that what we're getting into makes sense in the future and what mm -hmm. you may, or may not want to get into. Um, I also do intellectual property, so I'm able to help them through marketing and bigger picture of what mm -hmm. that company looks like. Mm -hmm. So we sit down for that 45 minutes, have a chat about all my services, what they might need from me. And then if they decide they want to move forward, then we hit the ground running and I'm there to support them legally for anything that they might need. Excellent. Thank you so much, Amy. We appreciate your expertise on this matter. Thanks for having me. <laughs> and thank you for tuning in. As always, if you have any questions or topics, topics you want us to cover, email us at podcast at mhvfcu.com. And we will see you next time when we go off the trail. Bye.